This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 191, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, August the 6th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 191. It's our Comic Reviews episode for releases from Wednesday, uh, I guess what, August... Sixth, uh, this is your host Adam Chapman speaking. Uh, every week we like to take a look at the comics that came out the week before. Uh, usually we like to get these episodes out on Mondays or Tuesdays. Unfortunately, this week we're coming to you, uh, at least recording on Thursday the 14th, uh, a little bit late. Uh, it's funny, uh, the whole week I thought I'd be able to get the episode early. Uh, it's funny because I was able to record two podcasts yesterday. There were episodes, what, 90, 192 and 194 in the can, ready to go, yet 191 was still not ready. I was doing it one day, and then my computer had a malfunction, completely uh, stopped working. Thankfully, I only lost, I think, two minutes of content, so it wasn't like losing a, an entire episode, which would have sucked a lot more. The one good thing is that I was able to read a lot more comics that ended up coming out in the last week than originally I would have had a chance to talk about on the show. But now I have less time to talk about it, so we're going to do a bit of a lightning round. And I say that a lot, but this week I think I really mean it. I think I'm going to be talking about almost 20 books or something. Um, so I'm surprised I had a chance to read them all. So let's just go rapid fire. This is going to be a short episode. I've been saying that a lot lately, but uh, I do like kind of a more concise rapid fire uh, episodes. Uh, first up, we have uh, Action Comics Annual Number Three, which is Super Doom Part Four, um, written by Greg Pak, artwork by I believe Ken Lashley, uh, Ken Lashley, Aaron Cooter, Jack Herbert, Cliff Richards, Julius Gopez, Will Conrad, and Pascal Alix ton of people um that's my cat joining the podcast for a minute because uh that's just what cats do um i did not really care a lot for this issue it felt like it was going on too long you had some parts that were interesting some parts that i just couldn't wait for them to be over uh the whole brainiac lois stuff i'm not really enjoying um super doom kind of showing up batman trying to figure out a way to cure him and then kind of freeing a phantom zone detainee um, of the Super Doom chapters we got this week, this was my least favorite. Um, and, and just because also the connection between Lois and Superman feels very tenuous in this continuity. Even Superman reuniting with uh, um, uh, Crypto, I, I don't know. I, I just I didn't really enjoy this. I liked seeing Luther here. I liked how Luke, what Luther had to bring to the table. The big last page, I didn't care for that at all. Although it was a little bit more confusing here than it was and I think Superman Wonder Woman but I didn't really like this I'm going to give this a 5 and I think I'm being nice uh, the inconsistency of the artwork it's an inconsistency in the story at least I can understand the inconsistency in the artwork because you have so many artists but um, yeah I, I just did not this just wasn't for me I didn't dig it uh, we got Batman Eternal as it hits uh, what, issue 18 so this is just keeps strolling along um this I liked a lot more than the last few issues. You have uh, Scott Snyder and Jim Tinian the fourth contributing to the story. Tim Seeley on the script. Ray Fox and John Lehman are contributing writers with Andy Clark on artwork. Um, you have a lot more kind of elements going on here. You have, uh, let's see, you got Batgirl, Red Hood, and Batwoman kind of doing their thing. And where are they even? I think they're in Brazil. Um, so we're getting a little bit more development on their story. Jason Bard is uh, doing his thing in Gotham, and he ends up teaming up with uh, with Batman. They go into the sewers. They come across uh, Killer Croc. Um, Killer Croc is kind of being framed for something he had nothing to do with. Um, 
I don't know if this is supposed to be Doctor Psycho or not, but we see a messed up character that uh, Batwoman, Red Hood, and Batgirl end up getting in touch with. And uh, generally speaking, I thought it was a pretty good issue, enjoyable, kept things moving. I like the Jason Bard elements with the team up between him and Batman. Uh, seeing the team up between Batgirl, Batwoman, and Red Hood is kind of fun too. Um, Andy Clark is really good on art. Uh, it felt like this series was kind of getting back to a good place because the last issue just didn't feel like it was much of it, much of a good place at all. Uh, Batwing 34. This is what written by uh, Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti. Our work by Eduardo Pensica, who I really do like. Um, this felt more enjoyable than a, the, the series had recently. I mean, you still have a little bit more of the angst. Luke Fox dealing with his, his mom and, and the issues with his parents as well as his interesting relationship with his brilliant sister dealing with being Batwing. Um, the fact that his sister knows he's Batwing now. I just thought there was a lot of, of enjoyment here. It felt like kind of a done-in-one seeing what's the good parts of being Batwing because he's just been so mired in things being so shitty for the character. So I did like that we finally kind of got to see the character having a bit of a happy moment because he finally gets to save someone's life um, and kind of remember why he's doing this. I actually liked this as a standalone. I thought the artwork was good. Um, I liked... It was a little weird, the, the elements with uh, his, his sister kind of trying to be a wingman. Uh, I like precocious, brilliant, you know, six-year-olds or three-year-olds or however old they might be. Here, his Luke's sister is six, but I'm also thinking of Valeria Richards, who I believe was two or three originally when she was kind of really making waves. Uh, so I'm going to give this an 8. Uh, next up is Black Widow number 9. I love these types of crossovers. So this is a crossover kind of with uh, Punisher. But if you don't read Punisher, you won't miss anything, which is nice. Um, it's a book that is able to have a c complete, concise story using both characters. There are elements where they cross over into each other's books, and those are represented in both books. But they do have their own adventure, and I thought that was really well done. Uh, Nathan Edmondson wrote it with artwork by Phil Noto. Um love the artwork on this uh such great action um punisher looks a little out of place here doesn't quite look quite himself although he hasn't really this is kind of the way he's been looking in his own book but something about how he looks here is even extra weird um but i i definitely did enjoy the issue very interesting at the very end we get a nice kind of cliffhanger leading into the next arc uh this was fantastic uh this is how you write a really well done crossover between two books where the same writer's writing them. So I'm going to give that uh, an eight and a half. I think it's just so solid. Uh, Detective Comics 34. Uh, it's more by Manipul and Bucciolato. The artwork is gorgeous. Um, the parts with uh, Batman and Harvey Bullock are really good because I just think Harvey Bullock is so fascinating in how he's being written in this book. Um, Batman kind of doing his thing... Uh, he gets saved by Harvey Bullock at one point, uh, dealing with, um, I forget what her name was, but the woman who died in the original uh, part of the storyline. I'm not really sure what the ending is supposed to mean or be, but is this bringing in anarchy? Like, I don't really get that. Um, it was at times inconclusive, at times it felt a little bit rushed. Generally speaking, I still enjoyed it. It's still a solid storyline. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is, we want to talk about Rushed, we have uh, Earth 2, number 26. Now this felt like just a really hurried c conclusion. Um, it's cool, although the cover has nothing really to do with anything. Um, it's written by Tom Taylor, artwork by Nicholas Scott. Uh, I believe it's her last issue, which is super sad. 
Uh, you start the issue with uh, getting more development of Lois as Red Tornado. Uh, we see more of the the massive um, invasion force. We see um, the two kind of supermen going up against each other, although Superman's not really willing to fight. We have uh, Lois as Red Tornado trying to assist. Uh, we get the kind of the revelation that this isn't the real Superman. In fact, this is actually biz- like a weird Bizarro who then gets uh, taken out by um, by Red Tornado. It just felt like the things happened really quickly. Like they're able to close the uh, close the gap and prevent the apocalypse from getting any further really quickly. Superman suddenly is kind of turning to dust. I just thought things happened a little quickly for my taste. That being said, the artwork is gorgeous. I'm sad to see Nicholas Scott go. The story is still quite interesting. I like how they're really seeing this kind of weird, weird version of the um, of the J- JSA together. I kind of I do like it. I think I wish that we had a little bit more characterization in some of them, but generally speaking, I think it's still a good book. Not the best issue, but still fairly entertaining. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Uh, then we have Grayson number two as we continue the adventures of Dick Grayson. Uh, it's written by Tim Seeley and Tom King. Artwork is by... I don't even know who the artwork is by. Um, Mikkel Yannon, who I do like his art. I'm not a... I, I like his costume stuff more than kind of his uncostume stuff. That being said, it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, Dick Grayson kind of becoming the secret agent. Seeing how he operates as a secret agent. Um, I feel like the issue felt a little brief. And a little too... I think they use too much Batman here. I, I was hoping we get less of this, more of Dick Grayson kind of doing his own thing and not just reporting back to Batman as often as he does already in this first issue. Um, the the picnic that they reference, it's kind of cute, but it doesn't leave a lot of substance. I'm going to give it a six. Um, I, thought, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit of a stronger issue, and I don't think I got that at all. Uh, next up is Green Lantern 34. Uh, we're done with the uprising, but uh, now we got Aga, the Dismantler of Worlds. Uh, this issue is written by uh, Robert Venditti, with artwork by Billy Tan and uh, Rob Hunter. Um, so we have them kind of trying to clean up a mess that was made of uprising by apprehending some of the remaining prisoners. So you spend like what eight, seven, maybe it's six or seven pages of of um, how Jordan trying to do that, just that goes back to his home planet, sorry not home planet, he goes back to Oa, uh, his charge escapes and he has to take him out again, so we have a lot of pages devoted to this villain who no one really cares about, uh, and who they never even say the name properly of, uh, Hal's family comes to join him, because um, they're brought there by Kilowog, he gets to kind of talk with his brother, which is a good point for good characterization of, to actually develop the character a little bit. And then at the very end, it looks like we're getting Apocalypse is showing up in here as well. Or maybe not Apocalypse, but at least High Father. It's kind of weird that we're having Apocalypse and Batman and Robin, and now these versions of the new guys showing up in Green Lantern. Uh, I get why they're doing it here, which is a little bit more clear, because of the issue of um, the, you know, kind of the emotions and what they have been doing now that they've been developing that in the Green Lantern books. Um, I did enjoy this, uh, probably more than I expected to. I'm going to give it a 7. Um, I, even though I spent a lot of time dealing with it, a character I didn't find that interesting at all. Uh, we have Iron Fist, The Living Weapon. This is issue number 5 by Kari Andrews. Uh, really entertaining. I mean, the whole thing with the weird, like his dad's face being on this villain um, is kind of weird. But seeing the flashbacks 
to what how um, this character kind of was kind of the one who takes on Iron Fist to true prove their if they're worthy and seeing how that's actually what Iron Fist is going up against now. Uh, what's going on Earth is kind of interesting as well with um, Kung Fu Girl and the, the, the I guess the baby dragon and uh, Iron Fist's girlfriend going up against all these forces. Uh, I think this is, I mean, it's a very entertaining book, but I think in trade it's going to be even more interesting. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. This was, a, again, a solid read, really good art. Uh, it's something special. Uh, next up is Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man number 4. The art is gorgeous. The story just feels a little slow. Um, we, and Plus, the cover has nothing to do with anything. Uh, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis, artwork by David Marquez. Really, this is Spider-Man versus Green Goblin. Uh, the action is fantastic. Uh, we have the, I guess, theoretically maybe clone Spider-Man. We don't know for sure yet. Uh, he returns to take on Green Goblin with uh, Miles Morales. We also have Katie Bishop trying to discover or figure out what to do about knowing that um, uh, who Miles Morales is as Spider-Man and that she's also revealed it to a friend of hers, I guess, or no, her family member. Uh, at the end, Aunt May's kind of, definitely kind of having a, a bit of a breakdown she thinks that this uh, Spider-Man actually is Parker which may or may not just be a clone of him um, it was again the artwork is gorgeous I mean the artwork alone was like a 9 out of 10 the story I thought a little thin uh, maybe like a 5 or 6 I don't know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 7.5 but really that's or maybe just a 7 but that, mainly that's coming from the artwork because that's just blowing it up uh, next up is Moon Knight number 6, and I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. It's Warren Ellis' last issue, but it is absolutely breathtaking. Um, it's uh, artwork by Declan Shalvey. It's just such an interesting story. You have the, it's all about this guy who decides, you know, he, why can't he be a superhero? Moon Knight's not that special. Uh, he's tired of just being a beat cop. He doesn't want to be a beat cop anymore. Uh, he decides he's going to be... Um, something different. He's going to become Black Spectre. He's going to replace Moon Knight. He's going to really take on the entire origin of the character. He's going to kill his girlfriend. He's going to you know, bring out Moon Knight and uh, do everything he can to stop him. He thinks he's got a May, but Moon Knight just handily beats the crap out of him. And there's just such a great part where Moon Knight's like, people who love me suffer and die. I never want to be loved. Uh, that's why I always win. It's such a badass, badass moment. And I, I'm sad that we're not going to get more of this, but they signed on to do six issues, and they did it, and it was amazing. Um, next, in this book, we're in issue number seven, we're going to have Brian Wood writing it with Greg Smallwood, who I don't think I know his artwork, but seeing the last, um, the little bit of, a, I guess, a preview that he does here, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was actually really entertaining, and I can't wait to see more of what this will look like. Um, anyways, so this was 9.5 out of 10, just brilliant stuff. Uh, next up is New Avengers 22. Um, I wish the artwork was better in this book because it's just, I don't think it's as good as it could be. It deserves a little bit of a stronger artistic, um, I don't know. Kev Walker I like, but this just isn't his best work. Um, maybe it's because he's inking it as well. Uh, it's called We Are Not Brothers, the name of the issue. John Thickman wrote it. And here we have Namor has made the decision to destroy the world, the, the, um, the other incursion earth and he took the decision away from black panther and all the others black panther is not letting it stand he tries to murder namor um this is really kind of the dissolution of this group and they're just willing to fight each other and wanting to kill each other namor just kind of being the biggest prick that he is and um 
and also the way he tries to get under Black Bolt, uh, sorry, Black Panther's skin as well, and everyone's kind of throwing Namor out, but Namor is kind of saying, like, you know, I, I am who I am at the end of the day, and it's just really crazy, but really well done, really fascinating, and at the very end, a new incursion. Um, I just thought the art could have been stronger, but the story was fantastic, and just seeing these characters really blow up. Um, this was something that was bubbling under the surface the entire time. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Again, I think the art is kind of a 6, and the story is like a 9. Uh, so it's going to be a 7.5 overall. Next up is Original Sin, number 3.4. Uh, this is, the, I believe, the last Hulk versus uh, Iron Man issue. Um, I dug this. It was very interesting. Um, Mark Wade and Kieran Gillen did the story. Kieran Gillen on the script. Luke Ross on the artwork. Uh, I liked his take here. Um, this awesome sequence with the, you know, the Hulk and Iron Man. Hulk bringing Iron Man to a secluded spot. Um, finally finding out that there's more here than they actually thought. Turns out that if it wasn't for Tony, um, it, the the kind of helping with the shielding, instead the bomb would have been a lot worse and probably would have actually murdered, um, or not murdered, but killed Bruce Banner. And also the idea here that uh, there was an email sent and be- to Banner that, that might have stopped them, and really it all comes down to if Banner hadn't been so angry at Iron Man, or sorry, Tony, he might have read the email, he might have figured things out, and he might have not ended up becoming the Hulk, which is, I don't think, a, a necessary wrinkle for their relationship, but it is interesting, but I don't think it needed to be there at all, but definitely an interesting way to go with it. But also a little stupid, like, you know, instead of it being something like uh, sabotage like it originally was uh, back in the day or even having it just be there's a bomb there's a guy out there and he goes to save him instead that like Tony messed with it and in the fact that you know it all comes down to it's Banner's fault that he's that he's the Hulk in a lot of ways more so than it already is obviously because it's his bomb but also now it's because if he just read an email he wouldn't be the Hulk and it's just kind of like really that's a little unnecessary of a point to make um but there were interesting parts of the issue, for sure. I'm going to give it a six and a half. No, I'll give it a seven. Uh, I didn't hate anything this week. Like, for the most part, the books were good. I mean, I wasn't... I don't think there was really anything I hated, utterly. I'm trying to look back at what I've just looked at. I mean, I guess I didn't like the Action Comics annual very much, but I didn't hate it. Uh, we have Original Sin 5.3, Thor and Loki. Um, this leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, it's written by, let's see, the story's by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing. Uh, Al Ewing does the script. Lee Garbett and Nolan Woodward do the art on pages 1, 2, 6 to 9, and 11 to 14, with Simone Bianchi doing the art on pages 3 to 5, 10, and 15 to 20. Um, I, I, don't, I don't like the Bianchi artwork. Uh, the whole Angela versus Thor thing I found to be a little tiresome, um, especially because it's his sister, and they're not really getting to that point fast enough. The whole backstory with the angels and and Odin, I, I didn't really like that either. Uh, maybe this is kind of a comic I didn't really like all that much. I'll give it a five. There are aspects of it I did enjoy, mainly the stuff with um, kid, uh, Loki, but the starts, parts with Thor and Angela I found really boring and uninteresting. Overall, I'll give it a five as a result. Uh, next up is Punisher, and this is what issue number nine as well. Uh, it's, again, the other half of the Black Widow uh, storyline. I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Extremely well done. Um, it's nice to see the story from two different perspectives. Uh, if you read both, you get, obviously, more of the story, but 
You're, if you only read one, you don't need to read the other. And again, that's the best kind of crossover. It just reads like the character shows up, and if you didn't know that the other book exists, you don't miss anything, and you would never feel like you missed anything. But if you read both, you're getting such a, a treat. It's really nice. I really thought this was really well done. Uh, the artwork in Punisher um, was done by uh, Mitch Garads, and obviously it's written by Nathan Edmondson. I'm not a huge fan of the portrayal of uh, Ghost uh, Crossbones, I guess. He's almost a little too small. Um, and the, the mask is, as well is a little weird, but I, I can easily forgive it because the rest of everything in the here is so good. Uh, next up is She-Hulk. This is issue number seven. Um, so this was a, a fun little, I guess, romp. Um, it was kind of its own little thing. Uh, let's see, who wrote this? Uh, it was written by... Oh yeah, Charles Sewell. Artwork by Javier Polito. Thank God Polito's back. Uh, this was kind of a fun, you know, team up with uh, Ant-Man, Giant-Man, whatever you want to call him. Uh, She-Hulk and Hellcat dealing with some of their differences, which I thought was actually really interesting. Um, to see how they're kind of hashing out their relationship. And uh, dealing with this... You know, they they basically have a, a miniature adventure. There's these people who have created uh, a shrink uh, shrink ray. He's trying to sell it to Hank Pym because uh, there are some flaws in it. But the guy's partner has shrunk himself and won't give it up. Really kind of interesting. I'm in really excited to see what the next issue is going to be like. It looks like Captain America has come calling on Jennifer Walters. I'm interested to see where that goes. Um, it's just really solid. So nice to have Pulido back because the last few issues were rough without him. Um, I'm going to give this an, a solid 8. Very good. Uh, next up is Superior Foes of Spider-Man 14. This is great. I really dug this. Um, I'm going to give it a 8.5 out of 10. It's just it's so much fun. Um, in some ways, we don't get a lot of plot development or plot progression in terms of going forwards. But we go backwards and we actually get a lot of good characterization for uh, Overdrive. Uh, in fact, more than he's ever gotten before. Um, which is really quite interesting. It's written by Nick Spencer, artwork by Steve Lieber and Rich Ellis. Um, so we have everyone back at the safe house. Shocker's there, but no one knows about it. Boomerang wants to know more about what was up with the um, the bus. So we see uh, the origin of Overdrive. Um, we see how he was is being got his powers from Mr. Negative. Mr. Negative's after him now. Him and Beetle do everything they can to uh, escape. Which is this cool sequence of uh, Overdrive's how-to guide to get away uh, from, I guess, villains. Which is, don't get shot, use all the road, avoid distractions, cheat, bitch and jumps, and don't stop to smell the roses. Uh, what also is interesting is the idea that he actually wants to be a hero. I thought that was just a fun little touch that he's like, well, all the, some of the, all the best Avengers were originally villains, so why can't I go that route? Um really kind of cool stuff and he's always attempting to kind of always plan to stop being a villain and be a hero really cool his interaction with uh, um, Beetle in terms of their sexual relationship is interesting as well uh, there's a lot of kind of jokes here uh, Speed Demon gives gives up his dog uh, Shocker at the very end decides he's 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 the new boss now really interested, was interested to see where this goes um, just fantastic book uh, next up is uh let's see superior spider-man number 32 so this is the first of two superior spider-man issues we're gonna get um i dug this it was um it felt like you definitely did get a lot of content um 
Uh, although I thought we'd get more from Cupert than we ended up getting. I thought we were going to get like at least half the issue, and so we only got. It felt like we only got a few pages. Um, this is, of course, written by Dan Slott. Uh, the artwork here is by. Uh, let's see. The main stories got Dan, Dan Slott story on only on plot, Christos Gage and script, Giuseppe Camincoli on pencils, and then um, let's see. That's the main story. And then the, I guess, theoretically, the backup, called The Spider Sanction, is written by Christos Gage with artwork by Adam Kubert. Uh, the main storyline, we have uh, Otto find himself in the future of 299 after the events of, what, Superior Spider-Man 19. Um, he says all these things in the past, or alternate timelines. He's trying to escape the future. He meets uh, Miguel O'Hara's brother. He starts um, kind of attacking all these different places so he can get the technology necessary to go back in time. He's finally able to go back in time, but then realizes that he's not in the right spot. He's actually in a different timeline. Uh, the what, uh, what appear to be the timeline from What If Number 1, where Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Five. Um, he tries again. He ends up in the House of M uh, reality, where Spider-Man is dead in this version. Um, he ends up in a world that's kind of similar to um, uh, Civil War and finds uh, Spider-Man dead again with the same puncture holes and each time he finds himself dead finds a spider armor version again also dead uh he ends up uh in a world with uh i guess the manga spider-man peter propkar i believe his name is yeah propkar uh <coughs> excuse me and uh he's being confronted by a demon spider-man or Otto shows up to uh assist and take out this villain and then he takes the uh uh, the Spider-Man India back with him, and he's already started assembling a team that includes a female Spider uh, Spider-Man or Spider-Woman, uh, almost like a baby version of Spider-Man or very young version. Spider-Man Noir, um, and uh, one we don't quite know, but it would appear to be the one who's in the last page here, which is I believe from a What If from a few years ago with um, Spider-Man Wolverine from the Spider-Man versus Wolverine one-shot back in the '80s. But if things went very differently, uh, that person of Spider-Man, as well as, a, I guess, a six-armed Spidey as well. Um, so it's interesting to see that Otto's putting together a team, considering that everything, like, he's doing all this stuff, but then when he gets back to the mainline book, he forgets about everything. Like, it's kind of interesting that after all this time, he does all these time jumps, all these world jumps, and he remembers everything. And then he does another jump going back into the regular continuity and then he forgets everything so what the hell happens with his team so i'm interested because this is where edge of spider verse is happening and starting and maybe it's not just more maybe it's this other character as well which definitely appears to be but then it kind of makes me have a lot more questions as to why we didn't get any more about from Otto about this and where is this team out there and how's peter going to end up getting involved with them because he doesn't seem as smart as the way they're showing Otto will be that he can just create time portals and stuff. Um, the backup with um, Kubert again looks great. Uh, I wish it was a little longer. Um, the story, pretty solid. I mean, the whole thing I thought was really well done. I'm going to give it a 9. Um, and I, I mean, there's a few questions I have, but it didn't dampen my enjoyment in the least. And last up is the Superman Wonder Woman Annual number 1 which is part of the uh, Super Doom storyline. I believe it's part three. It actually technically comes before the other annual that I already talked about, the Action Comics one. It's written by Charles Sewell with pencils by Ed Bennis, Tony Daniel, Pascal Alix, Cliff Richards, and Jack Herbert. So 
I think three of the same artists as on the Action Comics Annual, and then also some Ed Bennis and Tony Daniel. I still don't really understand or who or what this Cyborg Superman is, although he gets kind of roughed up by um, Super Doom. This, I thought, was more interesting because it's more about Clark's struggle within Super Doom to be himself, and then you also have the JLA kind of dealing with what to do about the, these invasions and uh, Brainiac, as well as having to deal with Super Doom himself and what the Doomsday Virus might be doing to other people. Um, I thought this was a lot more enjoyable than the Action Comics Annual and better looking, and I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Books I didn't get a chance to take a look at this week, or at least not read yet, include Action Comics 34, which is, I think, the next phase, Last Sun or something, of the, um, the Superman Doomsday arc. Uh, Aquaman and the Others 5, Batman 66 meets Green Hornet number 3, Deadpool, Dracula's Gauntlet, number 5, Figment, number 3, Green Arrow, 34, Hinterkind, number 10, Justice League, 3000, number 9, Kick-Ass, number 8, Looney Tunes, 220, Miracle Man, number 9, New 52, Future Zen, number 14, New Warriors, number 8, I completely forgot that even came out, um, New Warriors, 8, yeah, Painkiller Jane, 22 Brides, number 2, uh, Rocket Raccoon 2, Swamp Thing 34, Tiny Titans Return to the Treehouse 33, and Trinity of Sin Phantom Stranger number 22. Um, looking at stuff that's coming out next week, and by next week I mean yesterday, which would be the 13th of August. Um, some particular highlights if I take a look at it right now. Let me just load up uh, previewsworld.com. Previews um, some of the highlights that have come out this previous uh, day include uh, include a, a new issue of Batman which is I guess not Zero Year anymore so I'm excited to see what that'll be like um, if you like Flash you got the hardcover for volume 4 as well as the third trade paperback coming out uh, not a lot of great things coming out of, of DC although do have uh, Superman Wonder Woman number 11 uh, coming out if we look at uh, Marvel we have new issues of all new X-Men, Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing X-Men um, Avengers Undercover, Avengers World, and Captain America, as well as if you're collecting the Daniel Way Complete Collections of Deadpool, you got Volume Four coming out. Um, uh, you got another Original Sin tie-in for Fantastic Four, Original Sin Number Seven, uh, new issues of Nightcrawler, the Nova Special, uh, Spider-Man 2099 Number Two, which I'm pumped for, uh, Wolverine Eleven, X Force Eighteen, sorry Eight, X-Men Eighteen, and Wolverine the X-Men Number Seven. So that is our episode today. Thank you for joining me. I thought this was going to be a really short episode, but because I was looking at, like, I think about 20 comics or something like that, um, it ended up being a lot longer than I would have expected originally. I'm just actually counting. Uh, I think uh, there actually were 19 or 20 books we talked about today. So 30 minutes actually isn't bad, considering you've got about 20 issues to talk about. But, uh, what, a minute and a bit for each issue? So, um... Thank you for joining me for episode 191. Next episode will be our spotlight on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is our spotlight on the new film. Um, it has myself, Nathan Strzok, and uh, Leonor Lana discussing it. Although, incidentally, uh, Nate hadn't even seen the movie, but he still was on the podcast uh, to talk about it. Um, episode 193 will be our next reviews episode. Episode 194 will be our next uh, Talking Heroclix episode, which, again... Uh, we recorded yesterday opening up the new set for Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, from there, we have two episodes before we hit episode 200. I'm not even sure it's happening in episode 200 yet. I've had some suggestions. I know Tom Kerr, a friend of the show, had given us some ideas 
um, and I might incorporate that into the show, not really sure, or might even a future episode, because it is definitely a topic I like, and something I would like to talk about at some point, um, so we'll see what happens. I'll keep it kind of secret for now. Um, anyways, thank you for joining me. This has been Adam Chapman for Comic Shenanigans. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. We will see you next time for the Spotlight episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But until then, have a great day, and thank you for joining us for this episode and for the show in general. Bye-bye.